is the last uh, this is the last lesson that I have in this uh, series. Um, and I know it goes way back. We're going back. This is our tenth lesson now in kingdom mind renewal. Um, and I've said this from the beginning that what we've been doing is laying a foundation. We've been laying a foundation because everything that I tell you from this day on, whether it be a Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday evening, no matter what it is, it's going to hinge on whether you get it processed in your mind. In your mind. We're not talking about your brain. I'm not talking about your natural ability to retain what I'm teaching you. I'm not talking about how well you can memorize stuff. I'm not talking about if you graduated from high school or have a Ph.D. or a bachelor's. I'm talking about your mind, your soul realm. And the soul realm is in between your flesh and your spirit. And your spirit, man, is clinging to and hanging on to everything I'm telling you. If you are saved, if you have come into the kingdom of God, if you've been born again, may Jesus the Lord of your life, your spirit, man, is grabbing on to everything I have to say. The problem is, is we have Christians and people that call themselves believers of the word that aren't living it out. And so we need to be able to figure out what is the process to exercise the word that's being sown in. And so we've identified that mind renewal is necessary because your mind is where that hinges. Your mind is where it, your mind is what determines how you live. Remember, we said from the beginning, if I can't get you to think a certain way, then you won't live that way. Um, the whole goal of this whole thing, and you're going to see me wrap this up tonight. The whole goal is for you to be able to live out the word of God. That is the goal. That is what we want. There's the, the whole reason we're talking about the mind. You know, we can kind of get lost in that. Let's go to Romans chapter 12 real quick. Romans chapter 12, uh, we'll just start with verse 1 there. The ultimate goal that we're trying to accomplish is that we want to get our lifestyle to line up with what we're learning from the Word. So Romans chapter 12, this was our key text from the beginning. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. So right there we see this is how we are supposed to live. Our lives ought to be an example of being a sacrifice to God. Now I'll tell you right now, that word sacrifice is everything that it says. It means everything it says. That means you're putting something down to give something to God. When we think about sacrifice, if you sacrifice your time or if you sacrifice your money or if you sacrifice, uh, you know, you look at sacrifices in the Old Testament, there was always a taking away of something to present something. So our lives ought to be presentable to God. And that first comes by sacrificing or putting down your life. This is what Jesus did. We know that he was the ultimate sacrifice. What did he do? He put down his will and his desires and ultimately his own life. For what? To accomplish a task. So this is what we're supposed to be doing. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Notice it doesn't say present your heart. See, a lot of people want to go, oh, God knows my heart. Really? 
Because he's talking about your bodies. He's talking about there's a lifestyle that's actually being played out in front of other people that shows, that shows God to those people through your life. So this is the goal. Let's go on. Verse 2. How do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? How do we present them holy? How do we present our lives acceptable to God? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove, that word prove is also the word allow, that you may allow what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is how our life is transformed. Notice there's only two options. You're either conforming to something around you or you're transforming out of something around you. Your surroundings have everything to do with it. And you're either going to stand out from your surroundings or you're going to become your surroundings. There is no middle road. There is no gray area. There is no halfway. It's one or the other. And so he says here that this is how you allow God's will in your life. By how? Renewing your mind. Doesn't say by being born again. Notice that. It does not say, accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your Savior and you will be transformed. Doesn't say that. So that tells us this that our lives could typically, technically be the same the day before we ask Jesus into our heart and the day after we ask Jesus into our heart. Ten years before and ten years after. The desires, the wills, the emotions, being led by our feelings, being led by our surroundings, all that could stay the same even after saying, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I make you Lord of my life. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. And we've been trying to come to the cross, and we've been telling people, come to the cross, come to the cross, come to the cross. And that's just the starting point. Yes, you have to come to the cross. But that's the doorway. So let's go through the doorway and enter into what God has for us. Amen? And that is that perfect and acceptable the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many of you want the will of God evident in your life? How many of you want to live out God's will? We all do. We all do. And I'll just uh, mention this as a side note. When it says good and acceptable and perfect will of God, that's not three different types of will of God. We'll just go ahead and put that out there. There's been some doctrine and been some teaching out there that there's a good will, There's an acceptable will, and then there's the perfect will. And I may not be in God's perfect will, but I'm in his acceptable will. That's not a true statement. I can explain my SUV, my car, as being gray, small, and silver, or whatever. I can come up with three explanations for the same thing. Okay? So that's what they're saying. They're saying that God's will is good, God's will is acceptable, and God's will is perfect. Okay? So we don't want to get stuck in this, well, you know, I'm not living out God's perfect will, but I'm in his acceptable. Or I'm I'm in the good. I'm okay with just being in God's good will. No, we want to be in all of it. We want to be in his will. And it's either his will or your will. And Jesus identified that in the garden. And if Jesus, being the son of God, could still give in to his own will, then we sure all can. Okay? So this this is the ultimate goal. The whole... Last 10 weeks that we've been discussing this, this is what we've been trying to identify. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Um, I will say this. We've got our CD uh, 
uh, reproducing whole system over here. It's all set up and ready to go. We can burn them, uh, copy them, and we can print them, okay? Um, so there are those of you that have already started signing up for CDs. Uh, please, do, please do if there's any CDs that you've missed and you're unable to go online and get them or if you just want to have hard copies of them or you want to give them out. Um, they make great, great, great gifts. I'll say that. Um, got Christmas coming up. But there is a CD uh, request form located back here at the table um, for Kingdom Mind Renewal. Those of you that have asked for you know, all the CDs or most of the CDs, I am selling that as a set. And it should be available next week. So if there's anybody here that wants to order the whole set of Kingdom Mind Renewal, um, there's going to be uh, 10 CDs in there, obviously, 10 lessons, and it's going to be one set. If you want to purchase it and, and give it to someone as gifts, wrap it up, whatever. But we should have those uh, hopefully by next Wednesday. I've got to order some stuff, so depending on how quick it comes. But here in the next few weeks for sure, uh, we'll have it ready. I've got them all printed out, but we want to have a, you know, a good presentation of the whole thing. Um, but if there are individual services that you want to get a hold of, feel free to go back there, sign up, and grab a hold of them. Amen? Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of of their mind. The word walk here is the word live. The word walk here is the word live. Okay? So when we see this word walk, go ahead and take it over and look at the word knowing that it is the word live. This is how this is talking about how you live. No longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. So what's he saying here? He's saying exactly what we just saw in Romans chapter 12. Do not conform to those around you. All these Gentiles and the things they're giving themselves to, the areas that they're failing in, uh, the lifestyles that they're living and walking, don't conform to that. Do not become like the people around you. This is probably one of the uh, strongest dilemmas in life that we deal with is we're constantly surrounded by things that are contrary to what we know we should be doing. How many of you know, and I'm not even talking spiritually, I'm just talking you just know right from wrong. And you know when you're doing something right and you know when you're doing something wrong. I mean, driving, and you know... Yeah, I'm going 15 over right now, and I should be going slower and just keep doing it. Okay? So he's saying, do not conform to everything around you. Look what he says in, in verse 18, having their understanding darkened. That word darkened just simply means ignorance. They've, they've made themselves ignorant. Being alienated from the life of God. Ignorance will actually separate you from the life of God. And we just saw in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, that the life of God or the will of God is what we're supposed to be pursuing. Being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them. The blindness of their heart. 
who being past feeling have given themselves over. So he's talking about what they've been doing specifically. Verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Verse 22. That you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. There's that word renewed again. And that you put on the new man, which was, recre- which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Remember what we identified a few weeks ago, just real quick. Righteousness is your position. Holiness is the action. You can't be holy without first being righteous. Righteous is the position that you have immediately been put in when you ask Jesus Christ. The word says that you have become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is just simply being seen as right standing in God's eyes. Okay? But holiness is the action that ought to follow. Holiness is the lifestyle. We said this, that righteousness is how God sees you, and holiness is how others see you. So I can be righteous and still lose my temper. I can still I can be righteous and still have some thoughts that aren't right. I can be righteous and still hang out with the wrong people. You see what I'm saying? That holiness ought to line up with our righteousness. It's not meant to, okay, well, I'm righteous, so, you know, however I live on the outside. This whole thing is about getting the outside to conform to the inside. Okay? And that's the transforming because we're looking different than everything around us. So look what he says here in verse 22. He says, you put off concerning your former conduct the old man. So he's not saying that, you know, forget about everything that you were before. He's saying identify that and then put it away. Which grows corrupt according to the seed. You notice, and we've been saying this from the beginning, that your flesh is never going to want to do what God wants to do. Never. In fact, it's growing more and more corrupt every day. Every day, our flesh desires and our flesh will wants to, wants to get itself farther and farther away from the kingdom of God. It wants to get rid of everything that God wants, and it wants to line up with the world. Your flesh will... Don't ever think, man, I just can't wait for that day when I'm just going to want to obey God and just want to do His purpose. It's not going to happen. You have to change your mind and you have to eradicate or get away from that flesh. It's growing corrupt. So verse 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's what we've been talking about this whole time. Being renewed in your mind. That you put on the new man. Notice that putting on the new man does not come. Putting on the new man does not come until you are first renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's the first thing that takes place. Which was created according to God. So your spirit man, your new man, has already been created according to God. Is already lined up and is already in obedience to what God wants. Already there. In righteousness and holiness. So we've got to get that, the inward part of us on the outside. Let's keep going. Are we getting this? 
Here are five things that an empty mind brings. Because we looked at that word futility up in verse 17 said um, that, that the Gentiles were walking in the futility of their mind. The word futility simply means empty. It just means to be empty-minded. One of them is having darkened understanding. It's identified right there in verse 18. Their understanding is darkened, meaning that they, they walk in ignorance. The second thing is a, they have a life excluded from God. Excluded. When you walk according to the world and you walk according to darkness and remain in ignorance, you are excluded from God and everything that he wants for you. The next thing is that you are ignorant of God's ways. You have no clue on how God does something. God's system is foreign from you. You are ignorant from it. The next thing is you have a hardened heart. A hardened heart is very dangerous. A hardened heart is very dangerous because when you harden your heart, you're actually closing the door to the word of God. You're actually closing the door. Remember Pharaoh, every time that Moses came to him, and he came to him ten times with ten plagues, and every time Moses came to him and said, let my people go, Pharaoh's heart got hardened. And he continued to shut God out and continued to shut God out. And by the eighth and ninth and tenth time, it was harder for him to say, okay, I will submit, than it was at one, two, and three. Because he kept hardening that heart. And that leads to the last one, which is you just stop caring. How many of you know some people in the world that they just don't care? They don't care if they obey anybody. They don't care if they submit to anybody. They don't care about God. They don't care about church. They don't care about their life. They could just care less. That's a far way to be. And this is how the Gentiles were walking. And he's saying, don't do these things. Don't look like this. Don't conform to this. Don't become what you're surrounding. Become what's inside of you. Okay? So this is why the mind renewal process is so important. Now, Philippians chapter 4. What I'm going to do tonight here real quick is I'm going to show you how your thoughts become your lifestyle. I'm going to show you how your thoughts become your lifestyle. We've been saying that if you want to live a certain way, then you have to think a certain way. If I want to uh, get you to look at something differently in your life, if I want to get you to look at finances differently, then I've got to get you thinking on a different way of how to handle your finances. If I want to get you looking at your marriage differently, then I need to show you a different way that the Bible shows how a marriage ought to operate. And this is about anything in our life. I could do it with healing. So we've got to get thinking a certain way. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate, that means to think on, continually, to think on. Why? The things which you learned and received and heard and saw. Here's the next two words. And saw in me, next two words. These do. Why are we meditating on these things? Why are we hearing these things? Why are we seeing these things? Why are we watching other people be this example in front of us? Why? So you can turn around and 
do it. There's a lifestyle. There's a lifestyle that ought to change, that ought to be different because of how we're thinking. Now, this is how your thoughts become your lifestyle. It's a chain reaction. What you think on, you end up developing an attitude towards. The way I think about something, I can develop an attitude. Now, again, our thoughts come in by what we see. Our thoughts come in by what we see. I mean, how many, how many people have ever had someone, uh, you know, think wrongly of you because of something they saw you do just once? And that ended up labeling you as a person. Or how many of you have ever done it to someone else? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I misjudged you. How about this? How many of you have ever had someone come to you and tell you something about another person, and you've never even met that person, and now you already have a picture in your mind of who they are and what they do? Yeah. Why? Because the thought came in either by what we saw or by what we heard. We developed the thought about that person, and now what happened? Now I have an attitude about them. So... Derek comes to me and says, man, you know, my little brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. He lies all the time. You can't, can't trust him with nothing. You know, he, he'll say he's going this place and he ends up going over here. You know, I'm not saying this is true at all. But say Derek comes to me about that, and I don't know Aaron at all. Well, what's my first impression going to be when I go to meet Aaron? I can't trust him. I can't tell him anything and expect him to keep a secret. Everything coming out of his mouth to me is a lie. Hey, man, I'm getting, I'm getting my, my driving permit next week. <laughs> right. Yeah. I know about you. What happened? I just developed an attitude about somebody that I didn't even know based upon a thought that was planted in my mind. Now, what follows the attitude? Action. Now I either hold things back from him or... You know, I, I, I treat him and I act, to, I act a certain way to him according to the information that's just been processed in my mind. Okay? This is how your thoughts become your lifestyle. So what you've been hearing and what you've been seeing in the Word of God will develop a thought life of the Word of God in your mind. And that thought life now releases you to have an attitude toward the Word and to a certain way that you look at the Word. Now, what follows that? Now that my attitude, let's just take healing. I find out in the Word that Jesus took stripes on his back so that I don't have to be sick. For my healing, he took stripes on his back. He was beaten. Okay? And I learned that God is my healer. And that God's best for me is that I'm healed. And that I don't have sickness in my body. So now I have an attitude towards the word and towards healing based upon what I've heard, either from my pastor, what I've seen in the Bible itself from reading it and studying it and from meditating on it. And it becomes an attitude of mine. That now I have an attitude that, God, you said healing is mine. That I don't have to 
wallow around and be sick and just hope that you're hearing my prayers. And I, don't have, I now have an attitude towards healing that it belongs to me. Then what do I do? I act on it. And I start praising him for the healing. I start thanking him for the healing. I start doing things that maybe I'm not supposed to be doing in, those specific, in that specific area. Okay? So this is how your thoughts become your lifestyle. They create an attitude or a feeling within you. No, we, regardless of what you hear, or I mean, if you have, I mean, if you hear about President Obama, nobody in here has met him that I know of. Has anyone? You have? Ah, uh, the liars. The, the liars, okay. <clears throat> we have not met President Obama, but you watch the news. And you see something that he does, or you hear what people are saying about him, and whether it's truth or not, you immediately develop an attitude of either, I like that guy, or, no, I don't really care for him too much. Either way. Okay? This happens with anything that you hear and see, and it includes the Word of God. The mind is where it gets processed, and we said that repentance... Remember the definition of repentance that we gave. It's not coming down and praying at the altar. It's not coming down and saying a prayer and then walking up, walking away different. We said that repentance is a change in our thinking that leads to a change in action. The problem is, is we can change our minds multiple times. I mean, some of you may have changed your mind about what you're going to wear tonight. Some of you may have changed your mind what you're going to eat for dinner before you came and what you're going to eat. After you leave, some of you, I mean, I know I, when I was working out, I haven't been working out recently, but there were times that I was dead set. I'm working out tomorrow morning, and 5 o'clock comes, and I changed my mind. That's not going to happen, okay? So we can change our minds multiple times. So the key is, is to get our minds fixed. How do you change your mind and stick to it? You meditate on it. You chew it up. You keep thinking on it. Remember we said a few weeks ago that uh, you have to be careful of the flow of information that's coming in. Because that flow of information, if it's contrary to the word, it'll get you off of the word. And many times it's not because of a lack of faith. It's not a lack of believing God can do it. It's not a lack of uh, knowing that God is able to do something. It's just a lack of we weren't hearing it enough and we put our eyes on something else. Tell you right now, if you are believing God to heal you from something and all you do is look at the doctor's report, you're not your faith ain't gonna be built. You're not gonna come out of that thinking, Yeah, I, God God can heal me and you might even believe, yeah, God's a healer, but the faith just isn't there to battle through it and push through it and get past it. So we have to be careful of that flow of information. And that is how our thought process becomes our lifestyle. That's how you end up living out what you're thinking. So let's look at this in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 15. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Isn't that awesome that God will show you, even if you think contrary to the word in an area, he'll reveal that to you. 
That's how merciful he is. That's how gracious he is. That he won't just allow you to think contrary to his word in something. He'll, he'll reveal it to you. He may bring someone along. He may show it to you in his word. Uh, he may, you know, have your pastor preach on it. It's like, oh, wow. Has anyone ever been to a service where you felt like the pastor was preaching to you? You're like, wow, he's looking right at me. He must have knew I was dealing with this. Yeah. Can't duck here. But that's God. So verse 16, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. So what is he saying? He's saying, now that you have attained to something in your mind, now that you have gotten to a level knowledge-wise, let's start living that out. Let's start exercising that. Let's start being fruitful in that. And now we have to start walking that out and bearing fruit in our lives. Because that's the biggest trick. The biggest trick of the enemy is that he stops you at salvation and makes you think that that's good enough or you've attained or you've gotten somewhere but you know what how the enemy works he's only looking for one person because just as much as god understands influence the devil understands influence see god only needs one person god only needs one person he only needed to start with one man adam he created a nation of his people out of one man abraham He needed one man to come from heaven to earth to die for all of mankind. Why? Because he understands influence. He understands the importance of one man changing generations. But so does the enemy. So the enemy works in deception. And the problem with deception is you don't know you're deceived because you think you're right. If If you're truly deceived... You're, I mean, you're deceived all the way through. You're deceived so much that you think that you're right. And he works in deception. And he knows that you influence someone else. Husbands, you influence your wives. Employers, you influence your employees. Employees, you influence your coworkers. Those of you that are in school, you influence your schoolmates, your classmates, people that are around you. People on your football teams, people on your baseball teams, people on your kids' baseball teams, and their parents. I mean, every everything we do. So what does he try to do? If he can stop you at salvation and never get you to a lifestyle that is transformed by the renewing of your mind, then he knows that I'm not just taking you out. I'm taking that person out taking that person out, I'm taking out their kids, I'm taking out their husbands, I'm taking out their wives, I'm taking out their parents, I'm taking out their classmates, I'm taking out their teammates, the whole nine yards. So this whole lifestyle, if I can say one thing on all of it, it is, it's not about you. It's about how you affect everybody around you. And I don't know about you, but I want to be a good influence. I want to be a good influence. You know, we've said, you know, many times over this uh, lesson that uh, if you're bearing fruit, then people will actually call you out and identify you as belonging to someone. When we saw that in the in the book of Acts with the disciples, 
They start healing people. They start casting out demons. They start preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And what do they say? That, they look a lot like that Jesus guy that just died. They look a lot like that man, Jesus, that was on the face of the planet, and he was doing all that same stuff. And they were identified as belonging to or being with Jesus. How many of you want to be identified as being with Jesus? How many of you want to go to work and they say, man, you, you must have spent some time with Jesus this morning. How many of you want to go to the grocery store and say, you, you go to church? Are you a Christian? Are you a believer? Because your lifestyle, I'm telling you, when you bring light into darkness, light wins every time. Show me one time that the, that the darkness is so strong that the, light couldn't, that the light couldn't kill it. Never happens. So we have a light. We need to let it shine. And the way that it shines is by living a life that is determined by our thought process. So this whole mind renewal, we've been trying to trigger this thing. We've been talking about the different mindsets. We talked about authority. We talked about our mindset of relationship. We talked about our mindset of uh, uh, responsibility and what we're supposed to be taking care of in the earth. And all this is so we can live differently from the world. Look, the world is full of people, and they've got enough people that are doing what they're doing. I'll tell you right now. And it's when we get a hold of this that we'll start influencing entertainment, We'll start influencing the sports arena. We'll start influencing the economy. We'll start influencing the government. I'm telling you right now, all these different entities in the world are to be run by the church. Bottom line, we ought to have a president that is a Bible believer. We ought to have uh, sports guys that are preaching the kingdom. And every time they get a microphone in front of their face, it's not about a touchdown. It's not about a home run. It's about, I just want to tell you about Jesus. And there, there's some that are coming up now. I mean, I just saw an uh, interview that Tim Tebow did um, on ESPN. It was a couple weekends ago. It was a 15-minute long interview. And um, uh, Palmer, Jake Plummer was the guy. And he made a statement, said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm all right with Tim Tebow. He's a winner, and, and that's awesome. But I'd probably like him a little bit better if he didn't talk about Jesus so much. Did you see that interview? Yeah. And Jesus' response, or uh, not Jesus' response, <laughs> Jesus through Tim Tebow, I'll tell you that, because he just let his shine, light shine. I mean, talking about someone that's bold about it. And he straight up said, he said, you know, you know, I, it's like a marriage. And when you're truly in love with somebody, that's all you talk about is that other person. So I'm so in love with Jesus, and I'm so thankful for what he's done for me and who he's made me be and who I've become because of him, that I just talk about him all the time. That's all I want to do is mention him. Wow. And there's other people in the arena. There's going to be more and more, I'm telling you right now, because this is how the kingdom ought to be taken over. We need kingdom-minded people in our economy. We need spirit-filled people in the entertainment business that aren't just about money and aren't just about putting their name out there and putting their picture out there and putting their face out there and how many movies can I be in it's ridiculous what people pursue so this is kingdom minded life that's what we're trying to do we want to have a renewed kingdom mind so we can live a renewed kingdom life 
And you will not live the kingdom if you don't get your mind renewed to the kingdom. Period. And so that's what we're doing. Every time you come to church, every time you listen to a CD, every time you play us online, every time you watch someone on TV that's preaching the word of God, what you're trying to do is you're trying to clue this in, trying to clue your mind in to who you already are. And that's exciting. Because sometimes we get so busy working for this thing and trying to, I just got to become this, become this, become this. You already are that. The real you is not even visible right now. You are a spirit. You possess a soul and you live in a body. But the real you, the person I'm talking to right now, is not this outside that's working, you know, 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, going to school and doing these things. The real you is the spirit living inside of you. And the Bible says in Romans 8 that those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. So we want to be spirit-led. We want to be kingdom-minded people because that's who we really are. And that's how that inside comes out. I'll tell you this, that uh, a couple weeks ago I already got where we're going to start going next week. Starting a new series. And this ties right into it. And it's going to be a life, a life of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be different. I'm not going to go talking about the power of the Spirit and, and, and all this stuff and all the things that people want to try to obtain in the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is probably one of the most misunderstood subjects in the Bible anyways. Because the first thing that the Holy Spirit is is a person. He's not a presence. He's not a feeling. Well, I, I, feel, I feel the Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the third person. He's just as much God as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And he lives inside of us to do what? Help us live out everything that we've just been learning for the last ten weeks. That lifestyle, this lifestyle that we've been trying to get our minds renewed to, you're not supposed to do it on your own. And that's probably the greatest thing. I mean, that's probably one of the best things that I've ever heard is, hey, we're giving you this project, but you're not alone. We're going to put this person beside you this person is going to be with you the whole way through it any any weaknesses you have any falters you have any area that you might uh you might not be up to speed or up to par on i mean how many of you in in just in work related projects taking something on and they say but we're going to put this guy right beside you and he's going to be with you the whole way well that makes it a lot easier doesn't it and so this life this life that we are supposed to live we get our, our minds renewed to it. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm leaving you with someone that's going to be, do, be able to do everything that I did. He's going to be in you and walking beside you the whole way. And now you just have to live the life with his help. And that's where we're going to go beginning next week. How many of you enjoyed this series? Has it been good? And it, I'm, I'm telling you, get it. Get it. This is something... I mean, I'm telling you, I could, I could easily do this once a year, and that wouldn't even be enough because it's, it, it's just constant mind renewal. There were several things that Paul and Peter, they went back to their churches, and they said, I just got to keep you in remembrance. Remember that I told you this. Remember that we said this. Remember that we went, went over here. Remember we're supposed to be doing this. And, I, you know, I could make it an annual thing, make it once a year that we come back to this subject and just continue because that's what renewing your mind's all about anyways. It's just keeping, you're keeping something in front of you. And sometimes we get so hopped up on new revelation, give me a new word. And what did Paul say about those people? 
Those are people with itching ears, always wanting to hear something new, always wanting to see what's the newest, greatest thing. And he said, if you just stick to the word, it may be repetitive. And every time we come back to it, you'll see something new because the word is alive. It's, it's not just another history book, not just a math book. The, the, the greatest thing about the Bible that sets it apart from every other book. You think about how many books are in the world. You think about how many books are out there in the world. The one book that is alive and active and always able to change and meet you where you're at. That's the word of God. Amen? So we want to continue to renew our mind. I'll go ahead and close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is true.